the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is a delight to welcome one of my absolute favorite people. That is Pete Peterson. He is the dean at the Pepperdine School of Public Policy. It's been too long, Pete. My fault. How are you, brother? Real good, Seth. Great to be back with you. Great to have you. You want to follow Pete on Twitter at Pete for the number four CA at Pete four CA. Pete, can I can I want do a long wind up on something? You're good at that. So let yep. me let me try something here, if I might. Um, I, I was. Um, I was reading a piece by one Bacha Unger Sargon. I don't know if you know her. Ooh, she she is a woman. I she's, certainly do. Yeah, okay. Come to speak of Pepperdine. Oh, yeah. wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. And she wrote something in an essay on what's takes taking place in Canada today, that was so powerfully true and strong, and also in a way obvious. I'm embarrassed. I have never actually thought about it myself until she wrote it. It it is bleedingly obvious, and I just missed it. In the simple sentence she wrote, the left is in power. And it dawned on me, Pete, you know, without getting too far into it, uh, for years that was just never the case. The counterculture was the left. The dissidents were the left. Uh, people, not right. profits. The corporations were not on the left. They are now, right? Yeah. Uh, schools, yeah. certainly. Uh, athletics, journalism, uh, all of it, not Pepperdine. But, you know, generally speaking, yeah. the left is now in power. There's an ad for Pepperdine School of Public Policy, which made me think about this. It says become a become a future wave maker. Seems to me we in the conservative movement or even just the common sense movement uh, that that should abide for for everyone. But sadly, doesn't seems to me we need to understand what it means for us now to be a out of power and be the counterculture. We need to learn how to make waves. I don't know if the trucker thing is a harbinger for how we do this thing. We've seen a little bit of it here and there, a little bit of the Tea Party, a little bit of the Gingrich Revolution, but those tended to be short-term political things and conservatives do what they typically do is they win and then go home. We need to have a sustained effort, don't we, as a movement the way the left did when it was not in power. Something yeah. I've just been thinking about since I read that line of hers. Well, and I think others should should follow some of the other things that she has said. You know, um, she's uh, a Ph.D., very smart person, has a book out, uh, Bad News, yep. about woke media. Yep. She is a self-described socialist. Right. And I have seen her speak on a couple of occasions, but she gave a talk at uh, Cal Berkeley that I would, it's up on YouTube, I'd advise anyone to, to tune into it because essentially she is making the exact same point um, that, that you're describing there is that there, there really is a fracturing of the left going on. And in that there is a, an ideological left that is dominant in these major, what I would call civic institutions. Mm -hmm. And she is essentially making a plea uh, to those on the left that uh, are her, her compatriots 
to return to an understanding of politics around class as opposed to uh, race, sexual identity, orientation, and so forth. And we can quibble about whether that is a good thing or a bad thing for America, but for the left, here is someone with a clarion call saying that if we leave the so-called FDR, JFK Democrat, that was focused on issues around economic opportunity and move into these ideological categories and causes, uh, we are only going to further separate ourselves from the rest of America and be ready to see more elections like the ones that we saw in Virginia and New Jersey. Um, Pete, I have to say, too, um, attendant to her thesis, as I've understood her, and I've had her on the show a couple times. She's delightful, by the way, yeah. right? Just yeah. one of the nicest, friendliest people you'd want on your side, besides being smart. We don't always find that in the same person, do we, Pete? We don't always find <laughs> smart. <in life. laughs> um, um, not a problem. You suffer. Um, attendant to her, attendant to her thesis is it's interesting who the left is now taken to beating up on and who yeah. the na- the right or the conservative movement's natural constituency might be. I was just thinking about it in my own head. You think about can I can I give you three that I've noticed in the past three years, three institutions the left has beaten on, which you would have considered once upon a time working class standard Democrat constituencies? Cops, yeah. cops, truckers, cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of a cowboy has been an epithet for a long time. Reagan's a cowboy. Bush is a cowboy. Trump's a cowboy. But then we saw it on the immigration thing when Maxine Waters was talking about cowboys uh, acting in, in manners that were worse than slave owners. Um, it, it dawns on me, you know, these are also the non-elite. And, you know, these are non-elite institutes. None of those professions require a college degree. Some people who are in them go to college, but you don't need it. They have their alternative alternative tracks and then sometimes competing tracks. It's kind of interesting who the left is going after. And two out of those three, might I say, Pete, used to be things young boys wanted to not only grow up to be, but liked to play on the playground or at home. Cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians, all that's gone. It's kind of, I I don't know if there's something there, but I think there's something there. Well, again, I, I do think that this goes back to this debate that's happening, and we can pull others out, not just uh, Dr. Ungar Sargon, but Matt Iglesias and a number of other people. Yes, that's a good one. That's a name I haven't seen, but yes, in a while, in a while, but but yes. But again, they're they're calling, these are people on the left calling out to the left, uh, saying that if, if we are going to lose our focus on supporting those at the lower rungs of the income ladder, the lower middle class, for example, and we are going to make these explicit attacks on those because of their skin color who also still happen to be on those rungs of the income ladder. Uh, we are setting ourselves up to be um, essentially a, a party that's going to be heading into the political wilderness in the years ahead. Yes. Uh, part of this is about self-interest, rightly understood. There. There just aren't enough voters in the categories they are seeking to defend. That's right. It's become, uh, while yes. at the same time that's, attacking those in the middle and lower middle class. Yeah, uh, that that's a trade-off. That's a political trade-off that we obviously saw fail 
in Virginia, yep. and we will probably see fail in the 2022 election cycle. Pete, how how much of an earthquake was San Francisco? Uh, did the, did San Francisco uh, show on the political Richter scale? I, I think a little less than a lot of conservatives are making it out to be, but you would be much more expert than I. Well, it is significant. Uh, the only thing holding it back from having a greater impact is that it's frankly an embarrassing story for the left and the media to report. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was a resounding defeat uh, in the recall of three board members at percentages north of 70 percent right. uh, for the three individual uh, board members who were recalled. The um, leading state senator representing that area, as well as the mayor of San Francisco, had initially come out in support of the school board members, and there was other backing to keep them in place, um, but uh, that obviously was not nearly enough to uh, preserve those positions, and now uh, the mayor is going to be able to uh, designate three new members, at least until the next election, so we'll re- remain to be seen what happens there. You know, in some ways, the story of the San Francisco school board can be seen as a one-off because it is so far left. Um, Listeners, I'm sure, will remember uh, the attempt to rename certain schools, including Abraham Lincoln. This was all happening as the schools themselves were closed. Right, right. And so once again, an, an issue that you and I have discussed many times, the education issue really came to the fore yes. as a mixture of yes. both the ideological nature of education that was being offered, as well as the unnecessary closing of the schools themselves. And those two factors really did contribute in ways that are a little bit difficult to pull apart uh, to these results. Um it's, is there also an element, like we were talking about in the previous segment that Bacha, uh, that Bacha writes about, Pete, is there also an element of um, elites and non-elites? Because it seems to me the school closures, uh, sure, it affected everyone, although not maybe everyone in, in the same way, but it really did particularly affect the working class, didn't it, in a way that had to struggle a little bit differently with how they're going to deal with this, how they're going to you know, have supervision for their young ones when they otherwise yeah. would have been in school. And then also well, – the yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it raises the prospect of this new political category known as the parent of the public school kid. And this is a – this is a political category we really hadn't seen surveyed before until the Virginia gubernatorial race in which a very enterprising uh, survey firm called Signal um, surveyed parents of public school kids without reference to uh, political um, party affiliation. Yep. Mm-hmm. And a couple weeks out from the election, this major voting block, as it turns out, which we rarely hear from or, or seen uh, separated out from other categories, were uh, 56 to 35 in support of uh, the then-candidate Glenn Youngkin. Uh-huh. And so this category, which again spans political uh, parties, it also spans different levels of income, but certainly, as you say, more on the, the working class, you might say middle class, upper middle class, they need the schools to work for a variety of reasons. Yes, right. And not only in what they're teaching, but to remain open uh, 
And again, the combination of the two factors, as well as what parents learned was going on in their kids' classrooms because they were closed, uh, all these factors contributed to uh, the fact that education is, once again, even in the deepest of blue uh, San Francisco, um, parents are saying things have just gone too far. And, and, and at the elites level and public education, too, I happen to I, I, I'm guessing that I'm, I'm not sure if you followed part of this, but this this very well-known public school no, known as Lowell. Uh, which was yeah. changed from a merit-based admissions program, which, of course, elites would love or any parent would rightfully want, I would think. Most parents would rightfully want. When they changed that to a lottery system, I think that must have had a big effect on the, on, 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 on the mind of the elites when it came to public education as well. And it dawns on me, you know, that probably angered a certain number of elites as well, if not perhaps a lot of the Asian population, which I think was pretty dominant at that school. There had to be an element of that, too. You know, I'm always curious as to why elites oppose school choice. And I suppose their vision of a public school is something like Lowell or something uh, like the Bronx School of Science or New Trier, right. Chicago. Right. What am I missing, right. right? Thomas Edison in Virginia. Yep. But not everyone who's an elite can afford Harvard-Westlake, and schools like Lowell were <laughs> for, 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 yep. for them, so to speak, uh, keeping it to California. That had to have had some something more to do with it, too, don't you think? I think it certainly could have contributed. Uh, that is one of the sidebars that the percentage of the Asian-American vote, at least on exit polls, uh, were a major driver of these three uh, board member recalls. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There are some other complicating factors there with some um, charges around uh, anti-Asian bias. Oh, yes, one of the members had that. That's right, I forgot that. That's yes, right. good point. So that, that yeah. was what, right. But again, all of the – there was no – it wasn't close. All Each one of these three board members who were up for the recall all – again, um, received greater than 70% vote to to recall them. So it wasn't as if one was separated from the other. But you, you're raising, I think, again, a, a very important point that we are seeing um, that even these attempts within the public school system to introduce some form of merit are being uh, attacked by these highly ideological school boards. And in that, you've got significant issues with... Um, a whole host of public school parents uh, for whom this is their opportunity to send them to what, dare I say, is a quasi-private school. Right, 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 right. That's the right way to think of it, too, I think, Pete. I do worry about, you know, the the, the victory here. Um, I think it's a good sign for parental rights and parent, parents taking education back into their hands. I I, I I think that's a good sign. I think that's an important thing, has something to say about uh, dissatisfaction, to put it no higher, of the uh, of the covid mandates. But I do think I, I, I do recognize it's still San Francisco. I looked this up. I had no idea. No idea. Did you know yeah. that the percentage of registered voters in San Francisco to the, that are Republican is seven percent? Seven percent, Pete. Yeah. You need to yeah, open no. up a satellite campus. <laughs> and so I wonder, I know you like ska, but I wonder if the Who didn't have this right 
we won't get fooled again. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Who just well, is Muriel Brown? Uh, who is the mayor going to fill these slots with? Yeah, no, that that is. But again, the the watching eyes are now on these selections yeah, in ways yeah. that they've never seen. That's before. true. I mean, that is, eminent. you know, tens of thousands of voters got engaged in this race, and obviously the the vast majority voted to recall, and so they are. They are vested. And again, we go back to, I, we don't have the data on this, but I wouldn't be surprised if a significant percentage of those voters were public school parents Yeah, uh, that were just fed up with what was going on. And so they're, they're now in new ways, uh, dare I say, uh, woke yeah. To, yeah. to the reality of, uh, of what's happening in their kids' schools. And again, I, I think that that's, in this sense, uh, it really is a, uh, a manifestation of a larger national trend and opportunities for uh, Republicans to engage uh, in places where they haven't been successful before. And to talk education in schools, right? I mean, yeah. I think the left yeah. understood that a long time ago, and we're yeah. just tying our shoes on this. I really do. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. But again, the opportunities are are showing themselves yeah. in, in ways that I don't think we ever would have anticipated even two years ago. No, that's right. I think that's an opportunity we need to be prepared for, as we need to be prepared to put these coalitions together that, quite frankly, right. uh, Ronald Reagan did very well with um, and Donald Trump did pretty well with in 2016. Well, I'll, I'll just give him his due. I think he did very well with it in 2016, too, understanding yep. that the blue... The, you know, Joe like Joe Biden likes to claim he's lunch pale Joe and blue collar Joe and all that. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Just nothing could be further from the truth. This is our natural yeah. constituency. And you look at who the left is kicking in the teeth. It's the blue collar Joes. You know, that great Reagan quotation describing his own political journey. Yeah, that, that he didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left him hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Democrats, I think, are, are saying uh, similar things today. The, the question that the operative and dominant national political question is, where will they go? Don't you think uh, – did you follow the story of this uh, this uh, former Levi Strauss executive, Jennifer Smith? Yes. So she, yes. So she talks about identifying her politics as left of left of center. Yeah. And uh, that's to your point, isn't it, Pete? Uh, it is. In, because when, when, when piece in the yeah, Atlantic about a, a person because of the education issue uh, was leaving the Democratic Party. She had a kid in public school, yep. just was completely exasperated, yeah. was not ready to become a Republican. Right. But would but said that if I had if she were in Virginia in that race, she would not have voted at all. Yeah. And that is certainly in elections, it's either about getting people to vote for you or, or not, not <laughs> or not getting, or getting them not to. Vote. Yeah, right, right. That's right. Well, you know, um, the counterculturals. I, I, I love the story of of uh, Allen Ginsberg arguing with Norman Podhoritz in the '60s, and uh, Norman not buying any of it, and Allen saying, "Well, we'll get you through your children." And he mm. he did mm. others' children, not Norman's, but others, and right. um, maybe we'll get Jennifer Say's children. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe if we don't get Pete, I love talking to you, man. It's been too long and uh, looking, looking forward to the rest of the year with you, brother. You too, Seth. Great to be with you as always. Thank you. Pete Peterson from the Pepperdine School of Public Policy. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.